0: is true God we are the we're the confused ones God we know that you knit us together in our mother's womb and yet somehow we think we can vanquish you with a thought of saying I don't believe in God or create you by saying I do believe in God when all around us God you hold us dear Science and technology just affirm the fact that we know very little and it lifts up as a fragrant offering to you. And all we are left to do is say, We praise you. So search us, God, and know our hearts as we journey towards Easter on this journey of self exploration, self awareness. Show us the truth about ourselves. And let's lean into it. In the name of Christ and the people said, amen. Sit down, everyone, but don't sit down normal. Sit back in your seat, both feet on the floor, and take both of your hands and lay them on your lap and clench your fists. As you clench your fists, slowly release them and open them up as palms. and let us confess to God on the screens, everyone. I confess, I let go of my need for security and survival. Welcome, come Holy Spirit, whom shall I fear? I confess, I let go of my need for approval and affection. Welcome, come Holy Spirit, only you, Lord. I confess, I let go of my need for power and control. Welcome. Come, Holy Spirit. I bend my knee to you.
1: This is a story about darkness and light.
2: Gathered in one place. This is a story about good. And evil. So, we were all there together in that upper room. And he had just washed our feet like a low-ranking slave.
1: The entire scene was completely contrived and very inappropriate, but it was also the moment I knew I had made the right decision. The high priest had been sending agents over to us for days, trying to see if any of us would be willing to break rank and help him to arrange for the arrest of Jesus. Thirty silver coins he offered, and I accepted the price and it was not for the money either. For months now, I had begun to doubt that Jesus was the promised Messiah of Israel, the coming king to set us free. And when I saw his ridiculous foot-washing display, I knew I had made the right decision. I began to look for an opportunity to slip away into the night and tell the temple guard where they could find him.
2: It was a very strange night. What with the foot washing and the paranoid talk about a betrayer in our midst. And then Jesus said, I'm not saying this to all of you. I know who I've chosen. But this fulfills scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against
1: me. He was on to me. I was shocked for a moment, but only for a moment. How else could he have gotten such a following so quickly if he were not perceptive about people? So he was on to me. I was on to him. We were on to each other. I looked around the room. Of course, none of them could see it. This man is not our coming king. He is not going to set us free."
2: I looked around at the rest of them and none of them had a clue what he was talking about either. He was like that sometimes. And then he says, I'm telling you this beforehand so that when it happens you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the Father who sent me.
1: By now my blood is boiling. Anyone who welcomes my messenger welcomes me. And then to extend that statement to the band of idiots gathered in that room... Anyone who accepts the message of these disciples is accepting God himself. I began to discreetly gather up my things. Somebody has got to shed the light of truth on this sham artist. And then Jesus got angry
2: and he blurts out, I tell you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. And then everything stopped. So that's why when we went to the garden to pray, I took a weapon. Now he said somebody was gonna betray him. And I was ready. When we got to the garden, He asked us to do one thing, one simple thing. We couldn't even get that right. I mean, looking back, we were all a pretty clueless bunch all along. I mean, when he told us that one of us was gonna betray him we looked around the room like somebody was going to have it plastered across their forehead. Now, John, he was, he was sitting right next to Jesus. And so I motioned for him, find out who he's talking about. And Jesus whispered the name to him, but I didn't hear it, not until later. I don't think that any of them really wanted me to know who the guy was because... FRANKLY, WELL, THEY WERE AFRAID WHAT I'D DO TO him.
1: AT THIS POINT, A LOT OF FUSS GETS MADE OVER THE FACT THAT I LED THE SOLDIERS TO THE GARDEN MYSELF, BUT IT WAS DARK THAT NIGHT. THEY DIDN'T KNOW WHICH ONE OF THESE MEN WAS JESUS. THEY NEEDED HELP TO KNOW, AND SO WHEN I MET JESUS IN THE GARDEN, I WALKED UP TO HIM AND I GAVE HIM THE TOTALLY NORMAL GREETING KISS SO THEY WOULD KNOW WHICH ONE HE WAS, AND NOW Betrayed with a kiss. But you have to remember that he betrayed me first. He led me to believe that he was a coming king when all the time he had no intention of doing any of the things that a king normally does. Surely you all understand. You've all been betrayed. The shocking thing about betrayal is you never see it coming always the ones you trust that stab you in the back. Am I wrong? Does one betrayal justify another? Maybe not. (laughs) But who of you can throw stones at me for that? Who of you have not betrayed him already with your wandering eyes and your lying tongues? How many times have you promised him that you would treat your children better? How many times have you promised him that you would give more, serve more, pray more, stop sinning? (laughs) We are all little betrayers, are we not? Just hoping our deeds won't be brought out into the light. Well, I went through that door into the darkness. And
2: yes, I pulled a weapon and I took a swipe at a guy. And I got his ear. Here's the kicker, though. You know what I did next? I dropped the blade. And I ran, and I left him there to be beaten and arrested, and then the darkness came. See, you would think that being one of the inner 12, seeing all the miracles, having your feet washed by the Messiah would guarantee that it would be impossible for one of us to betray him. You'd think, but you'd be wrong. There's no knowledge, there's no experience that can let a man conquer
1: his own sin. And now for the part that few of you will be able to believe. I never wanted it to end the way it did. I wanted truth. I knew what a king was, and I knew that Jesus was not a king. But I never wanted it to end the way that it did for him. Of course, now, like you, I can see that I should have known. I was dealing with King Herod, Pontius Pilate, the high priest Caiaphas, I handed him over to a den of jackals and politicians. How could I have thought that anything else would have happened? And that is why, for me, there is now only one option.
2: I when they arrested my Lord in the darkness to try him in a midnight trial with witnesses who'd been paid to lie where was I I'll tell you where I was I was hiding in the back corner of the courtyard warming myself by the fire there was this woman at the gate and when she saw me she said aren't you one of his followers and oh i was quick and i said no i am not but later as i stood here with the house servants One of them looked at me and said aren't you one of jesus's disciples i said no i am not and a third time one of them said but i saw you in the garden when he was arrested and i blurted out i do not even know that man So because I was fearful of a bunch of house slaves, I denied my Lord three times. When uh, Jesus told us on that night that he would be going away, I asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, You can't go with me now, but you'll follow me later. And I answered back, Lord, why can't I go with you now? I would die for you. Die for me, he said. Oh, Peter, I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times that you even know me. So, Judas, he denied Jesus, and I denied Jesus, we've all denied Jesus, but what separates me from him? I came back to try again. Because You see, on the night that he was crucified, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. I went fishing. I mean, I'm a fisherman. It's what I know. It's all I could think of. And we'd been out there all night and we didn't catch a thing. And when the sun came up, there on the beach is this guy standing there. And of course, he calls out to you, Did you catch anything? I said, No. And he said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. You'll get fish over there. Seriously? Yeah, what do we got to lose? So we threw our fish over on the right side of the boat. And suddenly those nets were so full that it nearly pulled us under. And I stood up in the boat and I shouted, it's him. And I threw off my robe. I dove in, and I swam all the way to the shore. And when I got there, there was Jesus. And he asked me three times, Do you love me? And three times I answered him, You know I do. And three times he says to me, Feed my sheep. Take care of my church. Three times. What he was really saying was Peter, slate's clean, man. All's forgiven. Yeah. We've all betrayed him with our wandering eyes and lying tongues and those Broken little promises. And we all hope that these little betrayals, well, they won't make it into the light. But that's what Jesus does. He gathers up all those little betrayals and he pulls them out into the light. Then he gives his life for them and he says, It is finished. I know now what he meant when he said, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Because see, it took a cross for him to show the full extent of his love. He had to die before we could really hear what he was trying to tell us. And what he was telling us was, the slate is clean. It's all forgiven. Now, love. Love each other just as I've loved you. You know, in the midst of two betrayals, he gave us these words. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, love each other. It is your love for one another that will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Because see, there in the shadows, he gave us light.
0: in this love that we say we lift up our hearts to the Lord let us give thanks to God because on the night when Jesus was betrayed he took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body that is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, stand everyone please. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Everyone, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. It's the gifts of God for the people of God. So, when you're ready and you want to participate in this love, if this is your heart and this is your soul, come forward, tear off a nice large piece of the bread, no more of this little bird pecking stuff, and dip it in the chalice. Eat it right there. You can go to one of the round tables to the sides and kneel if you must confess and do your business with God or go back to your seat. Come when you're ready. Lord be praised.
3: When was the last time you had date night with your spouse, kids, or a close friend? Even if it's been a while, I'm sure you remember the one-to-one dynamic and how it creates an environment of closeness, focus, and intimacy. If Lakeland is our church family, then small group is our date night. The official Lakeland definition is, small groups create an environment of learning and belonging where surrender, together, and love are pursued. My small group is a mini church family. Our pastors, speakers, media, and worship are wonderful, but a limited amount can be accomplished from the stage. Small groups are a direct extension of Lakeland and allow two-way interaction with deepening conversation over time. This format is where I have witnessed the most transformation in myself and others. We practice the together value when we take a meal to an ill member, do a group service activity, chat over coffee, sit together in service, grieve together, celebrate a birthday, or prayerfully commission a member who is moving away. Small group is meant to be a safe place. Others often hear God speak to them through your words and experiences. A group that practices vulnerability and transparency allows members to know each other and be known. Being authentically known and still accepted is an amazing example of our love core value. Your level of growth directly corresponds to your level of engagement, having a teachable spirit, willingness to learn from others even when it's hard is one of the most powerful ways we get to live out the surrender core value. Listening to others, resolving conflicts, forgiving, and surrendering in general are some of the more countercultural activities we get to practice. They are also some of the most growth-producing activities we can engage in. As a small group member, I have experienced acceptance, compassion, tough love, encouragement, and the transformation of personal and spiritual growth. Lakeland small groups can offer us formats seldom found in our present culture. We become a group of people walking through life together, helping each other focus on Christ, His teachings, and the character of God in the hope that we become increasingly more Christ-like over time. It's setting aside time to have a spiritual date night with people striving for Christ-likeness together. My current small group meets weekly on Sundays from 8 to 6. We discuss what we learned, agreed with, or disagreed with in the material for the week. We also share our highs, lows, and where we noticed God's presence during the week while we snack. About every six to eight weeks, we take turns choosing a serving opportunity for the group. We celebrate birthdays with a dinner out and keep in contact via texts during the week. Leading a small group has been an incredible, fulfilling ministry for me, second only to parenting. I am frequently awestruck at how God uses different members to draw each of us closer to him. I have been able to experience incredible blessings that far outweigh any anxiety I felt before beginning a group or during challenging times. I have gained confidence, clarified my beliefs, deepened my understanding of God's character, increased my tolerance for other people's perspectives, solidified my sense of church family, and enriched my faith through better recognizing God's presence. If you want to do more than just sit and listen on Sundays or don't feel connected at church, and you are serious about this following Jesus thing, it's time to take the next step on your journey towards Christlikeness. Date night awaits you.
0: Thanks Lisa, appreciate it. You know, everyone, um, you really only need one or two friends around here in order to feel like this is the friendliest church in the whole world. You don't need to know everyone. It it would be a little ridiculous if you did. You know, you'd be in contact with each person about once every two years, and that'd be a little pathetic. So uh, thank you, Lisa, for being a small group leader and showing us what it's like to uh, gather as a community. So, and thanks to all of you guys who Form community around here in small groups or whether you do service projects like Eastland or Anapra and so forth. So very good stuff. It is part of the quality. And we will leave with the words of uh, the Apostle Paul right in the middle of his letter to Ephesians where he just gets so excited he can hardly contain himself. And he sends the people like us out uh, with these words. So join me, everyone all together, everyone please. Um, If it's up on the screen, there we go. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace, everyone.